Good day, all. Welcome to another season of Learning Bible Truth Ministries. I am the founder, host, and teacher, your one and only Dr. Kamla D. Here to teach you Bible truth, to help you grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace by teaching Bible truth, not my truth, Bible truth. Here we read scriptures that contain God's word. Remember to pray and ask God for understanding. Put your learning hats on, get your Bibles, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's learn Bible truth. Good morning, saints. Today is Saturday, March the 4th of the year 2023. I am the host, founder, and teacher, your one and only Dr. Kamala D. I hope this day finds you and your family well. I truly do in the name of the Lord. Now, this is the final episode of Confronting Your Sin and the Proper Way to Repent. Now, before we move forward, let me share this. By the end of this episode, this final episode, I guarantee you, you will be filled with love. You will not feel convicted. You will know you are born again. You will know that you are a child of God. You will know that you are saved. There is no ifs, ands, and buts about that. Now, if you guys can remember, during the last episode, I mentioned in episode about episode two that someone was confused about something and I said that I would address it today. So I'm going to get that out of the way first. I want you guys to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and I will share. So what I want to do is expand a little more to give that individual or individuals a more broad understanding of this text. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. You guys know the routine. You can pause the tape and when you find it, press play and we will be on the same page. Now I am reading from the NASB. For those of you who don't know, the NASB is one of the most accurate Bibles on the planet. And I typically switch up versions and it is based on that, that premise, whether or not the, the version of the Bible I am studying from and then compared to the original Greek text or the original Hebrew text or the original uh, Aramaic text, that is how I choose which version of the Bible I am going to read from. Okay. So saints, I hope you are there. Uh, this is the actual second letter that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. The scholars could not find the first letter. They only found two and three. So they listed it in the Bible as first Corinthians and second Corinthians, but this is actually second Corinthians. So with that said, let me begin reading. Verse one, when I get to the area or the scriptures that confuse someone or not really confused, let me take that back. They just needed a, a little bit more understanding of the scripture. I will share when I get there. It is actually reported that there is immorality among you, an immorality of such a kind as does not exist even among the Gentiles, that someone has his father's wife. 
You have become arrogant and have not mourned instead, so that the one who had done this deed would be removed from your midst. Now we in verse 3. For I, on my part, though absent in the body but present in spirit, have already judged him who has, has so committed this, as though I were present. In the name of our Lord Jesus, when you are assembled and I with you in spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus, I have decided to deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Verse five is what confused some or they just needed me to expand a little bit more on it. And so I decided to do that. You guys know I love doing this. I really do. So I love when you ask questions, you email me about questions because that lets me know that you are following, you are listening and that you want to know the truth. You want to know facts. So let me begin from verse one to verse five and, this, and, and explain a little more what Paul is talking about. Now, the, fr the phrase, not even tolerated among Gentiles, it refers to Roman law. Now, a son committing incest with his stepmother was a capital crime in a Roman colony, you know, calling for the death or banishment of that individual. It was also prohibited in the Mosaic law, which is written in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 8 and Deuteronomy 22, 30. Now, when we're talking about sexual immorality, we are talking about the Greek word pornea. Pornea. It is P-O-R-N-E-I-A. It was a general term for all sexual immorality, any sexual activity outside of marriage. So the term can be translated into fornication or sexual immorality. Now, Paul connected the problem of, of ignoring church discipline to arrogance within the corporate body, within the leadership of the church, like the pastors, the teachers, the apostles, or the bishops within the church. They were, they were so arrogant that they had been blinded to the most offensive sins within the church, like, like you see going on today. Now, sins that even pagans in Roman Corinth would not tolerate, they should have been removed from the congregation. Yes, that individual or those who are living in blatant open sin, especially sexual immorality, should be removed from the congregation. Now, the purpose of this measure is revealed in verse five. Now, as an apostolic judge, Paul issued a judicial opinion, a, a banishment of, of that individual, but with a, with a view toward ultimate restoration. Now we're getting toward the, the scripture, verse five, where it, it may have um, baffled a, a, a few people. When, when I say ultimate restoration, taking up the language of a legal trial, Paul used a list of 10 legal idioms in these verses. Now, Paul's terms echoed the language from secular courts. Now, uh, talking about verses four and five, Paul declared that the assembly the leadership, the corporate body in the church was capable of judging this individual in the name of our Lord Jesus, because he, as an apostle, 
had already rendered his legal decision as though he were present with them. Now, Paul's legal perspective on this case would have supported the church body that possessed the authority of the Lord Jesus to give a decision on sin. Now, they had the authority, the, the, the teacher, the pastor of this congregation had the authority to remove this individual from the fellowship for the destruction of the flesh. Now, this refers to physical judgment, such as sickness or, or even death. Now, if this person were a true believer, banishment to Satan's dominion, meaning this world system, just put him on out there, let him continue to work for Satan and live for Satan. It will cause so much misery, so much condemnation in his heart. If he were a true believer, and this could possibly lead that individual to repent. Now, Paul had expressed some hope for that person's restoration with the legal phrase, so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord, so that his spirit may be saved. Because if he was a true believer and he was living in such open sin, he would feel so bad about it. And if they put him out of the congregation, he would feel even worse about it. It would lead him to repentance. That is what verse five is talking about. To, to deliver him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his soul may be saved in the day of the Lord. And that's when the Lord returns. It's not that a person living like this without any conviction whatsoever. And as a matter of fact, we'll cuss you out. We'll cuss the pastor out. That person ain't born again. He just was in the midst of everyone else claiming to be a member of the body of Christ. That's, that's what people are doing today. Now we have been talking about this throughout this little short series that there is a test that we can run to see if silver is real to see if gold is real and to see if diamonds are real. So it's the same with Christians. If you are practicing sin and you are comfortable with it. And as a matter of fact, if someone within the body of Christ, your brothers and sisters in Christ mention it to you and try to restore your, your spirit, you cuss them out. You ain't born again. You ain't saved. No Christian on this earth would feel good about sinning. That is what I want you guys to understand. No Christian on this earth, this entire earth would ever feel good about sinning. It will condemn your heart so much you will repent of it. And when you repent of it, your heart will no longer feel condemned. The reason your heart would be condemned is because the seal of the Holy Spirit would be there. If the seal of the Holy Spirit is in your heart, that is proof that you are saved. That right there, if you feel condemned when you do something bad, you are so remorseful, you will not only repent of it, you will apologize for it. That's because the seal of the Holy Spirit is there. And the Bible tells us, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by which we are saved unto the day of redemption. That's only if you are born again, the Holy Spirit will not reside in someone's heart or spirit if they are not born again. I know I said something there. The Holy Spirit 
will not reside in someone's heart or spirit if they are not born again. If you have not confessed Christ as Lord and Savior and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that Holy Spirit is not there. And saints, with that said, let's continue to get this truth on the road. But I hope what I just shared about uh, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 5, uh, help you understand. It's not that that person is saved. The question is, if he is a true believer, he would repent. If you put him out or excommunicate that individual from the congregation, and he would be so remorseful in his heart, he, will, he would repent of that sin and then return back to the fold. Because if you can recall, the Apostle James talks about if, if a brother or sister is overtaken in a fault, you who are spiritual should restore such a one in the spirit of meekness and consider yourself lest you too fall. Uh-huh. So saints, let's keep this going. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter five, Ephesians chapter five. I am reading from the new King James version at this time. Ephesians chapter five. We will be in Ephesians for the next couple of scriptures. And then we will move to Hebrews. Now in Ephesians chapter five, I will be reading verses one through 11. And this is a letter that the apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. And some believe um, he, he wrote the same letter to the church in Galatia. In any event, it was a letter to Christians, all Christians. No church should be practicing something different than what the next church is practicing if they are in this word. If they are in this word, this is where we go. If we need to find out what's going on with God and how the church should be ran, we need to look at the book of Acts and we need to read the letters that Paul wrote to these churches. And if you, if you are paying attention, each letter that he wrote had to do with false teaching in the church and a warped sense or a strange view of what grace is. And that is the same thing we are about to read in Ephesians five. And I am reading, therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. Verse three, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you at as is fitting for saints. So the same thing was happening there in Ephesus with Christians. We need to let that sink in. We should not be practicing sin. This has nothing to do with a, a born again believer falling every now and then or committing a sin every now and then being remorseful of it and then repent of it. But if you have someone running loose as a goose, still addicted to drugs, still getting drunk every day, can't wait till Friday to get paid so that they can go hang out in the club and get drunk with their friends living for Satan in the world and then show up in church every Sunday or every time the doors open just to say that they were there. That person is not saved, saints. That person is not saved. And then you have some that, that, that will fake like they repent. Oh, God, forgive me. Oh, you know my heart. The Lord knows me. God is not through with me yet. No, God is through with you. He is. Now, let me tell you something. 
What Christ did on that cross was the ultimate, but do not misunderstand what grace is. If you are born again, a true believer, and the seal of the Holy Spirit is placed in your heart, you will be so remorseful, you won't sin. Or if you do, you will repent of it, feel bad about it. But once you repent of it, it is removed and the condemnation from your heart is also removed. What's even better, God will throw that sin into the sea of forgetfulness and never think of it again. Now, let me repeat verses three and we can move on from there. Verse three, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints or Christians or believers shouldn't even be named among you. Verse four, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Verse five, for this, you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Idolaters, idol worshipers, worshiping things rather than worshiping God, who is the provider of those things. Verse six, let no one deceive you. Here go that word again. My Lord, my Lord, let no one deceive you with empty words. He's talking about false teachers making you feel good about the things that I just read. Feeling good about your sin. All because of God's grace. God doesn't have any problem with what you did last night. That's a lie. That is a lie. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Now, the sons of disobedience is an alias for the sons of Satan or the sons of perdition. All of that, all of those types of people are associated with Satan. You are Satan's child. If you are constantly involved in or practicing fornication, unclean, being covetous, being a covetous person, coveting what someone else has. You don't want to go get your own so that you can have it too. You want to take what they have from them. Yeah, you don't have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And the key word here is let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience or the sons of perdition. Now, you know what makes this so profound? is that Paul is writing to Christians. Uh-huh. Paul is writing this letter to Christians. So I don't care how eloquent the speaker is behind the pulpit. He can't dress this up. Why isn't this being read in the churches? And if you notice, the false teachers are the most famous in the body of Christ. The false teachers in the body of Christ are the most famous and have the most followers. Millions of followers. If you listen to what they are teaching, you will find that they are sugarcoating sin and making people feel good about sinning. And as they continue to do so, the Bible is very clear. In the latter days, there will be people who will not listen to sound doctrine anymore. They will seek out teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. 
Your version may say having itching ears. No, that simply means they will seek out teachers in the body of Christ that will tell them what they want to hear. So what is it that they want to hear? They want to feel good about sinning. But you need to pay close attention to these scriptures like I have. Verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. My Lord. Verse eight, for you were once darkness. This is for the true born again believers in the church. You were once darkness. Everything that we talked about, the fornicators and people who are involved in uncleanness and, and covetousness and, and, and people who are uh, uh, pagan worshipers, you know, worshiping things and images. They once walked in those things, which are referred to walking in darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, if you are light in the Lord. Verse 9, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 10, find it out what is acceptable to the Lord. Verse 11, saints, and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. That's what I'm doing. Expose them. I would rather be in line with God's word and be obedient to God's word as a teacher in the body of Christ than to have uh, listeners. I don't care if I'm down to one listener. I'm good as long as God is happy with the work that I'm doing. But fortunately, my ministry is still growing. The ministry that God has entrusted me with. Listeners, I'm almost at 9,000. God is steadily adding people to the ministry that is preaching and teaching his word, uncut, not watered down. Yes. So with that said, saints, I want you to go over to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six. And I want to read verse 12. Verse 12 says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So our battle is not with people, saints. That false teacher you see in that pulpit was placed there by Satan. Our battle is with the devil. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That means people. We wrestle against principalities. That is the rulers of darkness. That is evil forces from the heavenly places. We're talking about wickedness in the heavenly places. That's who our battle is with. That's why we need to rebuke the devil whenever we are in the presence of, of the people he is using. Someone who will cuss you out because they live in an open sin and got a problem with a Christian living holy. That's the devil. You need to rebuke the devil. Remember when Jesus told Peter, when Peter tried to stop him from going to Calvary, talking about far be it from you, Lord, when Jesus said he was somebody was getting ready to betray him and he was getting ready to go and he wasn't going to be with them any longer. And Peter jumps up and tries to stop him. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan, because Peter had allowed Satan in that moment because he didn't understand the word of God. 
the word of God was actually in front of him, but he didn't understand the old Testament scriptures about what the, what the savior or the Messiah had to do first when he came the first time, because Jesus will return again. When he came the first time, Peter didn't get it. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. So that's what I wanted you to take away from Ephesians 6, 12. We don't wrestle with people. It's not about the person, but if you have to put someone out of your, your friendship or, or your circle, your Christian circle, because they are living in open sin. You need to do it because it can rub off on you. Remember a, a little leaven or either leaven can, can leaven the whole loaf. Leaven is yeast. Yeast spreads. It causes things to rise. It causes bread to rise. Sin will cause you and the entire church to be defiled. If you do not remove it from among you. This is why I love Crenshaw Christian Center. Apostle Price, who has gone on to be with the Lord, I am here to tell you, he, anyone who worked for his congregation had to sign a waiver. You could not live in open sin. That's the type of minister God is looking at and looking for. And his son is the same way as carrying on that word or that will of the Lord. If you are wounded, you can't be on the battlefield. If you are wounded, you can't lead someone to Christ. How can you lead someone to repentance if you are still in need of repentance? You can't and you should never counsel someone telling them, oh, because of God's grace, you are okay. No, how you counsel a Christian in crisis is that you are forgiven, darling. Don't, don't, please don't condemn yourself. You are forgiven. Yes, you are. And we have help if we struggle. Go to Hebrews chapter two. We have help. Yes, we do. We have help in our time of need. If we are struggling. Hebrews chapter two. Now I'm not there yet. Saints. I didn't set up um, a couple of Bibles already on those uh, or in those chapters. I'm just using one electronic Bible. So I have to go from Bible to Bible. Okay. I am in Hebrews now. Just have to find chapter two and I will be reading verses 17 and 18 saints, because if you are a, a, a struggling baby Christian and you are born again, you, you, you shouldn't condemn yourself. If you fall short, that is to be expected until you grow into being an adult Christian so that you can receive meat. What I teach is meat. This is for the experienced Christian who truly understands what grace is. So if you are struggling, remember Christ is available to help us. Let me read verses 17 and 18 in Hebrews chapter two, verse 17 says, therefore in all things, he had to be made like his brother and meaning Jesus had to come in the flesh so that he can identify with human beings so that he can be made like the brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiations for the sins of the people. Verse 18, for in that he himself has suffered, being tempted just like we are, he is able to aid those who are tempted. So he ain't tempting you. He's able to aid you when, let me tell you something. Sometimes sin can be overwhelming to a baby Christian. You need to say, Lord, come near to me now. That's how you ask for that help. Jesus, you said you will never leave me nor forsake me. Come near to me now. I'm struggling in this area. Now, because Christ came here in the flesh, 
He was God in the flesh. Yes, he was. He can identify with our struggles, with sin. If we feel like cursing somebody out, it's natural to feel that way. What's not natural is that you do, you are custom out on a regular basis and you can't refrain from doing it. I'm able to refrain from doing a lot of things. A lot of things will cross your mind. You ain't, you don't have a perfect mindset because you are a Christian. Now you need to understand verse 17 again, therefore in all things, he had to be made like his brethren that's in the flesh that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people to make the atonement for the sins of the people. Verse 18 for in that he himself has suffered being tempted he is able to aid those who are tempted. And remember, Christ was tempted just like we are yet without sin. So he never sinned. So you can't go to a sinning Christian and ask them to, for their support. You need to come to Christ who was tempted like we are, but never sinned, but never sinned. Now, where are we going? Let's go to John 14, John 14, chapter 14. That is the gospel according to John. And I will be reading, let me include verse 15. I will be reading verses 15, 16, and 17. And this is our Lord and Savior Jesus talking. Verse 15 says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That is to walk in love. Verse 16, and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. When Jesus walked the earth with, with, with mankind, with humanity, he saw the struggle and he knew his disciples with him. If he wasn't with them, when they were walking with him, it's no way they would have been able to survive. And Jesus made the determination to send them another helper. As a matter of fact, it was a promise that he made. He said, and I will pray the father. And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. There is no way that we can make it today without the Holy Spirit. I know I can't. It is the Holy Spirit that I find my peace. It is the Holy Spirit that keeps me from sinning. And when I say keep me from sinning, I'm talking about practicing sin. Because when I do stumble every now and then, I repent of it. I am remorseful and I repent and then that condemnation is freely removed from me like it can be freely removed from you. Verse 17 says the spirit of truth, that is the helper, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth who will also reveal the truth about who Jesus is to you and about God's will to you. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because the world is not born again. The world operates on the Satan system. And um, the latter part of verse 17 says, because it neither sees him nor knows him. And Jesus is referring to the father and the Holy Spirit because they are the same. God, the father and God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit are all the same. Water, when it's water, it's water. If you boil it, it is hot water and it becomes steam. If you freeze it, it becomes ice, but it is still water. It is still water, saints. Now, the last part of verse 17 says, but you know him because he is with, with them right now. Jesus was with them. He said, but you know him for he dwells with you 
that's present tense and will be in you. That's futuristic. He's talking about something that's going to happen in the future. He dwells with you. That is Christ with him, with them, the father sending the Holy spirit. And when he will be available to be in you is when that Holy spirit comes back as that seed. When you confess and believe on Jesus Christ and plant it in your heart, he will be in you. So God, the father, God, the son, and the Holy spirit is one. I just thought I'd throw that little nugget in there, a little nugget. So let's go to second Corinthians chapter five, second Corinthians saints chapter five. And what am I going to be reading? Second Corinthians chapter five, and I will be reading verses 17 through 21. Are you with me saints? I am reading. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Your sinful lifestyle, everything you used to practice has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Verse 18. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. My God. And that is the ministry we should be preaching. This is the ministry I am teaching right now. The only way that you can be reconciled to God is through Jesus Christ. You need to allow verse 18 to stick in your heart. Verse 19 says, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing their trespasses to them or either against them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20 says, now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we employ you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And finally, verse 21 says, for he made him talking about Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin for us so that the law could remain holy because the law, with the law comes condemnation and punishment. Jesus took the punishment for our sins, saints. So we can't trample on his blood like that by living in open sin. If you are a Christian, a true believer, you will fall. There's no such thing as you're going to be able to continue to walk after you are born again without sinning. That's why Jesus said, I have to pray to father to send you another helper. He is with you now, but he will soon be in you to help us. Jesus became flesh, walked this earth so that he can identify with our flesh. And he knew we would struggle without help. The helper is the Holy Spirit. When you feel like you are, uh, getting ready to fall head first into sin. You need to say, Jesus, come near to my heart. Jesus, you said you would help me. And I know that you are faithful, not man. I can't trust man, but I can trust you. Help me, Lord. I don't want to do this. Don't go to him after. Go to him before you commit this sin. Because let me tell you, all sin is crimes in the eyes of God. But on earth, all crimes are not sin. 
because it's not a sin to fornicate. It's not a sin to commit adultery against your wife or your husband. No, it's not a sin to be involved in orgies. It's a sin to prostitute yourself in some states, but it's legal in others. You know why? Because this sinning government has no way to tax it. You will be able to sell yourself in your house all day long and they won't get their profit from it. It ain't that the government is holy because they are far from it. We have the most corrupt government on this planet. You, you right. And, and guess what? My next series will be about the governing authorities. So to give you a clear understanding of how our government should be ran and then show you how it's being ran and that it is not in line with God's word. Okay. I'm sorry about that, saints. I had to digress for a second, but it is worth reading again. Let me read verse 18. It says, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, not through Muhammad, not through Buddha, uh -uh, not through the Dalai Lama. It says, have reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. What is the ministry of reconciliation? That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their, their trespasses or either their sins against them. And has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, ambassadors are representatives of God who, who, who is the one who sends us, you know, to stand in for their own ruler in a foreign country. Now, Christians have been called by Jesus to serve as ambassadors in a world that is in rebellion against him. This entire world rebels against Jesus. That's where all of these religions come from, giving you someone else. Oh, you can get to God over here. You can get to God by being a Muslim. No, you can't. For those of you who don't know, do you know that the Bible in Jesus was here 2,000 years ago? Do you know that Muhammad came on the scene 1400 years ago, you do the math. That's 600 years after Jesus. And then he comes out with, with the Quran by himself. The Bible was not written by a person. The Bible didn't come in the form of a book. These were letters that were put in book form by our scholars. Now I'm not, this message is not to beat up on anybody because I have been given the ministry of reconciliation so we have a responsibility to bring a message of peace and reconciliation. Now, let me read verse 21 again and for the final time. For he, talking about God, made him, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The only way that we can be declared righteous for God or in God is, is for us to be in Christ. For us to be in Christ. Now we are in 2 Corinthians. Let's trot on over to chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians. Chapter 10. And I will be reading verses 5 through 7. Now when sin enters our mind. Anything that exalts itself against what we have heard about Christ. 
and what we hear about the true and living God verses five through seven tells us what we need to do with it. Now I am reading casting down arguments, just cast them down and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And verse six says, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So what on earth is Paul talking about? He's talking about our warfare. The world is hostile to Christ and his followers because the world is following Satan. That is what we need to understand. This whole entire world system is under Satan's leadership. God has control of the end, but God is not controlling what's going on today. That's why it's out of order. God is not in control. Now, the life of a believer is not one of ease. Trust me, it is a struggle. We are constantly in a spiritual battle. So remember verse five, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Any negative or any negativity that enters our mind, because that is where our battle is. Our battle is with our mind. My sister in Christ, Joyce Myers, I am not in agreement with her style of teaching or some of the things that she teaches because she doesn't talk about sin. I've heard her brush over it, sugarcoat it, but she wrote a book called Battle of the Mind. And let me tell you something. It is an excellent book. It talks about how Christians battle is within their thought process and how we can cast those things out. But when you feel anything that is contrary to the word of God or what you just heard today, because I give you scripture. You need to cast those thoughts out, cast them out. Say, no, I'm sticking with the word. I'm sticking with the word. That's how you walk and rebuke the devil. The devil don't know. This is a little nugget. What you are thinking, because he can't read your mind. He only knows what you are thinking when you do it. Then he knows he have you. Oh, I'm influencing her to do this. I am tempting him to do that, but he doesn't know if his temptation is working unless you do it because he doesn't have the power or the authority to read your mind. He can only read your mind or your thought process by what you do, your actions. Remember, you need to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If the devil is constantly tempting you and you refuse to act on it, he's going to move to someone else and that temptation will leave you. I am very seldom tempted. You know when I'm tempted? When I stray and start watching these unholy shows. Because look, I love stand-up comedy. I love to laugh. And look, I have some guilty pleasures. I watch Chris Rock stand-up comedy. I watch Dave Chappelle. There's nothing holy about any of their comedies, but I laugh. But I am very cautious and I am a seasoned Christian. I am a teacher in the body of Christ who've been walking with the Lord 30 years. It doesn't mean I can't fall. But what it does mean is that I know the difference between right and wrong and I know not to be influenced by evil. Now, if I choose to laugh, I choose to laugh because look, we, you are not sinning against God by listening to certain things. You sin against God when you act on it. When you do it, you don't need to have that stuff in your heart because some of y'all too weak to watch stuff, certain stuff. You shouldn't watch it. You're too weak to do it. 
I can watch some. I can watch a movie that have killed uh, or someone have killed 300 people, and I'm not going out there. And, I'm not going to be influenced to go out there and kill anybody. I remember someone sent me a message about um, something I said about the forgiveness of sins, and they asked me. Uh, it was like a statement and a comment. They said, "So what you are saying is that uh, if if someone kills someone, they can be forgiven." And I, I, I clearly knew I was talking to someone who had no clue of who Jesus is, who had no clue as to why Christ came and had no clue about the power of the blood. And I said, well, no, what I'm saying is you can kill 2000 people and still be saved through the blood of Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't be punished here because here, see, that's what people are getting mixed up about because of here. No, you ain't going to be forgiven for that crime here. You kill 2000 people. You're going to, to the gas chamber. That's where you're going. You will be sentenced to death and rightfully so. But if you accept Christ, you can be forgiven for those sins to where, when you do leave here, you're going to heaven. Man doesn't have a heaven to put you in nor a hell to send you to. And man is not in control of salvation. Now there was a, a controversy about the movie of Jeffrey Dahmer that came out. And while I'm saying this, I want you to trot on over to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, because we will be going there after I share this. I don't know if you guys are aware or not, but Jeffrey Dahmer, um, this last movie starring Niecy Nash, apparently was the most accurate uh, of the Jeffrey Dahmer movies. Because they made several of them. Well, in that movie, and I watched some documentaries and, and it confirmed it. It said that toward the end before Jeffrey was killed in prison, he asked for a priest and he wanted to confess Christ as Lord and Savior. And I knew right there man and his ways who think they can control where people go was going to have something negative to say about that. But it was beautiful to me. If Jeffrey Dahmer was sincere, he is in heaven right now. Whether you like it or not, whether you believe it or not, or whether you receive it or not, Jeffrey Dahmer, if he confessed Christ as Lord and Savior and believe in his heart, that God raised him from the dead, meaning Christ was alive and seated at God's right hand. Jeffrey Dahmer was saved. And when he was killed by another inmate who claimed to, to know God, no, that inmate didn't know God. Because God ain't going to use you to kill somebody for him. Judgment day is not here, saints. Judgment day is not here. I have a, a teaching uh, session coming up about saved from the wrath to come so that you can know what wrath is coming and why you need to be saved. Because you're going to be left here with it if you are outside of Christ. But yes, Jeffrey Dahmer is saved. If he was sincere and the priest that was with him said he was. And let me tell you something. He was killed. He didn't die of natural causes. Someone else killed him in prison, beat him to death. If he was killed in prison and he was killed after he confessed Christ, he's in heaven. That's the power of the blood of God. 
That's the ministry of reconciliation. You don't go to a prison ministry like the priests do. And like I am starting uh, in 2023 and, and, and actually condemn them of their sins. I'm going with the ministry of reconciliation. You can be reconciled to God through Christ and everything you have ever done in this world can be forgiven. That's the power of the gospel. And, um, are you guys in second Corinthians, uh, chapter 13 now for someone who is constantly practicing sin and feeling good about it, you, this is what you need to do. If you are on the fence, Paul told the Corinthian church when he, he had been written three letters to them about their sin and behavior. He said, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith, my God. You need to examine yourself, test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? And I've been saying this throughout this whole little series, unless indeed you are disqualified, unless indeed you ain't saved. Uh-uh, test yourself, examine yourselves. Are you walking in love? Do you see all mankind as human beings in need of a savior? Will you do for others if you have the capacity or the means to do, to do it for them? Will you provide for others? Um, test yourselves. Ask yourselves, am I really saved? Is the seal in me? Do I feel good about hurting somebody? Do I feel good about cursing somebody out? There are times I was watching something on the news and it was so horrendous. I just started crying. And I have, let me tell you something. I, I know I'm born again, so I have no bad feelings or qualms about saying this. And it was in reference to someone who had done some horrible things being killed. I felt so bad for that human being because he didn't have a chance to meet Christ. Uh-huh. Make no mistake about it. I'm on the side of victims. But what about the perpetrator? They need a savior just like the person they killed. I also have a sermon coming up before this year is out called Let the Dead Bury the Dead. I mean, some of these people that are being killed by these perpetrators, and I know what I'm about to say is controversial, but look, I'm in line with this word. But some of these people, these victims that are being killed aren't saved and aren't born again. My heart is going out to them because of where their spirit man went after they were killed. You have an unsaved, already dead walking, uh, walking person killing an unsaved, already dead walking person. Neither one are saved. Neither one. And my heart goes out to humanity because the world needs Jesus. If Christ was really in the world and really in control, if God was in control of this world system, saints, there is no way on this planet that we would see what we are seeing now. But because this world is coming to an end, let me tell you something. The ministry of reconciliation better spread like wildflower. We need to lead people to Christ. Tomorrow is not promised to you, saints. It's not promised to you. And those who are in Christ are not condemned. There are, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. With that said, I want you to trot on over to Romans chapter eight. Now I will be reading from the NIV. Um, 
in reference to this scripture. And let me tell you why the NIV, the NASB, the CSB, the ESV, the, the, the living Bible, the amplified Bible, the NRSV, the HCSB and the NET Bibles are all in line with the original text, the original Greek. The New King James, unfortunately, and I teach uh, from that more than I teach from any Bible, is not in line with the original text. However, what they added, you can't exclude it because it's what the text mean, but it's not the original text. But I'm reading from the NIV. It is Romans chapter eight, and I will be reading verses one through four. And it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are not condemned saints. Trust me, there is hope for those in Christ, for the believers in Christ. If you have sinned and you have repented of those sins, those sins are thrown into the sea of forgetfulness and never to be brought up again by God. Man may bring it up, but not God. They are thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. So there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse two says, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Condemnation and punishment comes with the law, but you have been set free from that. Verse two, my God, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Verse three, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, the law couldn't prevent you from sinning saints because of your flesh. Okay. The flesh overcame the law. And, and every time you read about what God was against, your flesh wanted to do it and it made you sin. So the law made you sin. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. My Lord, a sin offering for us. Jesus took the punishment for our sins, the punishment that we all deserve for sinning against God. Jesus took it on that cross. How can you turn your backs on Christ? He died for the sins of the entire world for those who come to him and accept his, his righteous work he did on the cross. That's all you have to do. And your sins will automatically be forgiven. Verse three. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. Christ condemned sin in the flesh when he died on that cross. Verse four, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, what is the verse four talking about? The righteous requirement of the law required you, the those who sin to die and to be condemned. So Jesus did it. He fulfilled the law so that we don't have to do it because we couldn't anyway. 613. And now I'm, I'm, I'm hearing it's about 619 uh, laws that the Jews were required to keep just so that they can just have something tangible to hold on to until the Messiah came. But they couldn't keep it. So how are we under the law and we and they couldn't keep it? No, we under grace. Grace doesn't sin. No, grace doesn't sin. And so that there is no misunderstanding and I won't have to come back next week and, and share something. Let me read this again. Verses one through verse through uh, four. Romans eight. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, 
Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So we are not under condemnation of the law. The law requires you to be put to death because of your sin. But we are not under that condemnation because of Jesus. Verse three, for what the law was powerless to do, which is which is to prevent you from sinning. The Holy Spirit can prevent you from sinning if you allow it to. But for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. The law was weak by the flesh because your flesh, if you wanted to do something, you was going to do it. That's why they needed to make atonements for their sins with animal blood every year, once a year. Once a year. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. Jesus is that sin offering. He is the propitiation for our sins. He is the atonement for our sins. And the latter part of, of verse three, it says, and so he condemned sin in the flesh. D Jesus condemned sin when he died on the cross. He condemned it in the flesh. So he fulfilled the law. He did that, saints. Please get this. I'm trying to hammer this home because there's hope for the believer, the born again Christian. In Christ, he condemned it in the flesh so that we wouldn't have to be condemned. So that we don't have to pay the price for our sins, saints. Verse 4 says, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now this part here, the latter part of verse 4 was actually added to verse 1 by the scholars, but it doesn't belong there. But which is why I said, but it's no problem with it being there because verse one means this because in the King James version and a couple of others, it says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who walk according to the, to the spirit and not the flesh or who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit that is not there in the original Greek text, which is why I read it from the NIV. The NIV is correct. And the NASB is correct. So saints, I hope you guys don't have any issues with this scripture so that I don't have to come back next week. But guess what? If you do, let me know and I will expand on it a little more. So now let's go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Uh, I'm going to stay in the NIV because I don't feel like switching to another Bible. Romans chapter 12 and verse two. This also helps us to prevent us from sinning if we renew our mind. And let me read uh, verse one and then I'll read verse two. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. When we worship God through our bodies, offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, meaning holy, living a holy lifestyle in our body. Don't subject our bodies to sexual immorality and sexual immorality is not the only sin. But if you notice, God speaks a lot against fornication and verse two, do not conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
Saints, we need to renew our mind with the word of God. And one of the reasons why people fall so often, even Christians, is because they are not renewing their minds with the word of God. Because that is his will. They are renewing their minds with something else. You will be what you study. You will be what you focus on. You will be what you receive into your heart. And, and that's just truth. That, that is just truth, saints. So you need to renew your minds with the word of God. Now, I want you to go over to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And trot on over to verses 5 through 7. Um, yes, verses five through seven. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God who has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Verse six, therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Verse seven, for we live by faith and not by sight, my Lord. Now, Saint, if you go back to verse five, now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. What is to come? Our salvation. Remember, I said we are sealed unto the day of redemption. This seal is right here. The Holy Spirit who is a deposit, but it is a seal on our heart that identifies us as a Christian. That seal nudges us when we do bad or when we do wrong or when we sin against the Lord. That, that seal is the one that tells us, don't do this. Don't say that. Uh-uh, don't do it. And so you don't do it. You need to listen to that. And the Bible also speaks about our heart. Whatever you receive in your heart, that's what you're going to be. Because the Bible says, guard your hearts for out of it flows the issues of life. And as a man thinketh, so is he. So you need to guard your mind about what you are reading and, and, and guard your hearts about what you are receiving from your mind. It starts with your mind. What you put in your mind and then receive in your heart is who you will become. And saints, that's why we have so many Christians falling because they are no longer feeding their spirit with the word of God. Just like your physical body needs to be fed. I'm here to tell you your spiritual body needs to be fed with spiritual food. And that's the word of God. Now trot on over to Ephesians chapter four. And for the sake of time, I will be reading. And I have switched back to the New King James. Now we, we just read in, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verses 5 through 7, that we have the spirit as a guarantee. It's a deposit for what's to come. The spirit guarantees our salvation. Now, verse 30 in Ephesians chapter 4 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. My God. That is powerful, saints. Now, we should never push away, ignore, or reject the Holy Spirit. We shouldn't do it. Now, if we would remember that the one who lives in us is God's own spirit as a guarantee, as that sealed 
until the day of redemption, we would be much more selective about what we think about, what we read, what we watch on TV, which is what consumes our time, um, what we share on social media. We will watch what we say and the things we do on social media. You need to be mindful of the Holy Spirit. And if you feel good about some of the things I'm seeing so-called Christians do on social media, the Holy Spirit not in you. And if the Holy Spirit is not in you, you ain't saved. If that seal is not in you, nugget on you saying, don't do that. I don't you do that. You ain't saved. So continue on, continue on. But this is for the born again believer, the born again believer. Now, Let's go to second Corinthians chapter three, second Corinthians chapter three. And I will be reading verse 17 saints and surprise, surprise. This is the last scripture I will read first. Um, second Corinthians chapter three, verse 17 says, and this is the new King James version. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Don't misunderstand what this liberty means. It means freedom, but freedom from what and to do what? It is freedom from sinning because remember, Jesus came to, to break the bondage, uh, the hold that Satan had on people. That hold was sin. So he came to break that. So he broke the chains of sin. So now we have freedom to do what is good. Freedom to help our sisters and brothers and not kill them. Freedom of condemnation. Walk in your freedom. Walk in the fruit of the spirit, which is love, peace, joy, long suffering. My God, those are the main fruit of the spirit that God wants us to walk in. Saints, let me tell you something. I know this series have been tough because people don't like to hear about their sins. But it should be a wake-up call. You need to test yourself to see if you are of the faith. Is that seal in you? Do you feel bad about sinning or do you feel good about it? Who are you hanging out with? What are you reading? What are you putting and pouring into your spirit? What are you feeding your spirit if it's not the word of God? Renew your mind with the word of God, which is his will. And receive that information into your heart. Feed your heart the word of God. So that you can walk upright. Remember, we have been given the, the ministry of forgiveness, the ministry of peace, and the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their sins against them. People need to know, and I'm talking about non-believers, that you can be saved from your sins. Anything you have committed. I know someone who had abortion years ago and still feeling condemned about it. Well, I suggest that you receive Christ in your heart to take that condemnation away. Brush yourself off and move on. Brush yourself off and move on. That's all you need to do. And I'm here to tell you that God loves you. He loves me. He doesn't care what you did yesterday. What you need to do is repent of your sins because we will fall. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And I'm talking about the born again believers. We cannot live in a world this evil with the ground so cursed and think that we are not going to fall one day. We're going to fall every day. 
So if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, according to the Apostle John. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. All doesn't exclude anything, so it doesn't matter what you have done. If you were Jeffrey Dahmer and killed and ate people, that does not exclude you. If you come to Christ, the blood of Jesus is powerful enough to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You are saved from the wrath that's due to come. God is a good God, saints. He is not an evil God. He is not. And yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Those who were persecuting him, he died for them. Now it's a different story now. He's dead and gone. He rose and seated at the right hand of God. And those who don't believe are condemned already. John 3.18. If you don't believe on the finished works of Christ that he did on that cross, you're not saved. You're not saved. If you are going about each day trying to establish your own righteousness, which includes justification for your sins instead of repentance, you're not saved. It's a good thing to walk with Christ. It's a horrible thing to walk with Satan. If you submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. And everything I'm saying now, we have went over through scripture. So, you know, I will never tell you anything I can't back up in scripture. Rightly divided. Rightly divided. What I do know for sure is that nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. And I am here to tell you that even as a born again believer, if you fall, that word fall is a representation of sin. God is faithful and just to forgive you your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Confess your sins. Confess your sins using the method that King David used in Psalms 51. I started to close out by reading Psalms 51 as our tool. To repentance. It is a representation of the best way to repent. Creating me a clean heart, Lord. Cleanse me from my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Cleanse my spirit, Lord. Cleanse my mind. The evil thoughts I have towards my neighbor, towards a co-worker, towards somebody I don't even know. I just looked at them and don't like them. That's evil. That's the devil. Don't walk with Satan. Walk with God. Speak to everyone you pass, pass by, whether they speak to you or not. I have a love for humanity because that love that I have within me reaches out for their salvation. I want everyone to be saved. And I am not gullible and naive to think that everyone will be because everyone is not going to be saved. But only God knows those who are not going to be saved. We don't. We have the ministry of reconciliation. We need to, to, to go to people with peace and with love and explain to them that they can be reconciled to God through Christ and through Christ alone. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, you may not have the confidence enough to do that. I can do that and share God's gospel, the gospel of Jesus to anyone. It's just that I'm mindful where. Because God never asks us to, to go and be blown up to preach the gospel. There's too many people in America that needs to hear it. 
I'm not going to a country to where they'll blow you up in the name of some idol God. That's not God's will. Honey, I have social media for that. This platform is awesome. Satan created this platform of social media to do harm and that it is doing. But God turned it around and made a way for us to do something good. And that spread the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And Christ is the propitiation for your sins. God doesn't accept animal sacrifices. He accepts Christ, the blood of Jesus. When he died on that cross, he died for you and me. He died for our sins. And if that's not hope, oh my God, I don't know what is. If that is not hope, if, if that is not encouraging sinners today to walk upright, to walk holy, my goodness. Saints, look. It's, it's over an hour, but I, I promised I would finish today because I'm about to take a two week break. However, I will be sharing messages from my dear Bishop who went on to be with the Lord last year, Bishop Fred A. Caldwell senior about Jesus. He is one of the best faith teachers in Christ, the best salvation teachers in Christ that I have ever heard. And he is so down to earth. Yes, he is. And I will be sharing something um, from uh, Fred Price Jr., Dr. Fred Price Jr. He received his doctorate now. So he is now Dr. Fred Price Jr., one of the best teachers in the body of Christ today, no matter where. He doesn't water down the gospel. He teach it like a T.I.T. is. And saints, with that said, I love you. Walk in love. To walk in love is to walk in Christ. To walk in Christ is to walk in God. And to walk in love is to walk in the fruit of the spirit. My God. Peace out, saints. I hope you were blessed by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode or any previous episodes, please send your comments or questions to Talking Bible Truth dot cd at gmail.com and if you would like to support this podcast financially because it has been a blessing to you go to one of my five podcasts anchor spotify google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, or radio public and contribute an amount of your choice or you can send your seed to me via cash app dollar sign dr camla d that's dollar sign capital d lowercase r capital C, lowercase a-m-a-l-e, capital D. Anything you choose to send will be greatly appreciated. Now until next time, saints, remember that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D, rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. Thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.